0: Mischievous Childhood. First, I want to tell you a little about Lithuania. It is a small country on the Baltic Sea close to Latvia and Estonia. The capital city during my childhood was Kaunas, which was known by the Jews as Kovno. That is the city where I was born and where I grew up. Some people called it Little Paris. During the fall and winter, There were performances by Kovno's own ballet, theatre, and opera companies. My life was beautiful. I was an only child, and though I wouldn't say that I was spoiled, I was certainly indulged. I had a bicycle, I had friends, and I went to a private school. In the summer, I went to the seaside or spent time at a cottage or a farm. My father, Julius Udal was born in Siauliai, Shavel, Lithuania, in 1891. He dreamt of becoming an engineer and pursued his dreams by studying engineering at the Petrograd Peter the Great Polytechnic Institute in St. Petersburg, Russia. It had been extremely difficult to get into the famous university. Jews were not desired there and historically had not even been allowed to live in St. Petersburg. It took amazing drive to get in and there was much suffering along the way. My father was greatly inspired by his socialist revolutionary older cousins, Mikhail and Abram Gotz, whom he used to visit in Moscow. Unfortunately, his cousins were arrested for trying to bring down the Tsarist regime, and they were sent to Siberia for many years. My father, meanwhile, was caught up in a crucial epoch of Russian history, the Russian Revolution, a time when chaos and total anarchy erupted, and universities were closed down. My father was in his second year of electrical engineering when he had to flee and he was never able to return to his studies and become an engineer. Instead, he came back to Lithuania and found work as a bookkeeper in the Central Jewish Bank, Centralinis Zidu Bankas, it was called in Lithuanian, a cooperative in Kaunas that gave small loans to Jews unlike the other banks in Lithuania. My father loved maths mathematics, science, and technology. I was lucky that he shared his enthusiasms with me. Every week, he would take me to the library to borrow books. We also carefully selected books to buy. I was proud of my personal collection of historical novels, biographies of famous people, travel books, and books on science. My mother, on the other hand, loved literature, theater, and the arts. Again, I was fortunate that she shared her interests with me. She loved music and opera and had a good voice herself. She introduced me to opera, classical music, and wonderful storybooks. My mother was a very attractive woman and had a presence that always evoked respect. She had a point of view on many issues that was based on a worldly and liberal outlook derived from literature and art. She was fluent in Yiddish, Russian, Lithuanian, and German, read a great deal, and was familiar with the greats of world literature. Born in 1902, my mother, Sonia, experienced her first refugee status in 1915, when all Kaunas Jews were exiled from the city and moved deep into Russia. The Tsar regarded them as possible allies of Germany in World War I and wanted the Jews away from the border with Germany. Returning to Lithuania in 1918, my mother finished high school, and was trained as a pediatric nurse. She worked in the Kovner Jewish Hospital, Biko Cholim, and later in an orphanage established by the Jewish community for war orphans. There she met my father, Julius, who worked as a volunteer in the orphanage, and they married in 1926. When I was born in March 8, 1928, I was named Eliezer, but everyone called me Ellie. My mother decided to give up nursing and work from home. She took a course in dressmaking at the ORT, Organization for Rehabilitation Through Training, a Jewish vocational school in Kaunas, and opened a dressmaking workshop in our apartment, designing and sewing dresses to augment the family income. We were not wealthy, and my parents worried about their incomes. But I was not aware of this as a child. I was not lacking anything. I was the only grandchild of two sets of loving grandparents, Joshua and Bluma Gotz, and my maternal grandparents, Shloma and Alte Vilinchuk. My maternal grandmother's name was Leah near Schwartz, but I called her by her nickname, Alte, the old one, given to her when she was young and very sick in the hopes that the new name would help her heal. I was also the only nephew of four uncles, three of my mother's side living in Kaunas, Tanhum, David, and Gedalia Vilanchuk, who were managing director of the orphanage where my mother worked, and my father's brother, Samuel Gotts, who was living in southern Rhodesia, now called Zimbabwe, Africa. I was familiar with several languages while I was growing up. My parents spoke Yiddish to me at home, and when they didn't want me to understand what they were saying, they spoke Russian. It didn't take me long to learn Russian from these conversations that were supposed to go over my head. When I went downstairs to play in the yard with other kids, I spoke Lithuanian, which was taught at school along with German. I also had lots of opportunity to practice my German with the many neighbors and friends who spoke it. As if our four languages were not enough, I also had to learn Hebrew, since Jews pray in Hebrew. I attended a private school for Jewish children called "Commerz Gymnasia, where everything was taught in Yiddish. The Yiddish language is about a thousand years old and is rich in literature and poetry. My parents were proponents of Yiddish culture and were politically inclined to the liberal left, a stance that my school supported. I was a good student and usually had top marks or very high marks. I loved mathematics and reading about history and science. My main hobby was building model aeroplanes, which helped me develop fine motor skills. I dreamt of one day becoming an engineer and a pilot. When walking home from school, I learned to be cautious. Some of the Lithuanian Gentile youths were anti-Semitic and I knew that some of these rougher kids might attack me for being a Jew, particularly if I was alone. I wasn't a fighter, so I avoided them. I would choose a route that I felt was safe. I accepted these problems as part of my life. On my way to school there was a temptation, a soda stand. I loved soda water with cherry juice, but the pocket money I received from my parents would cover only two drinks a week. So every day I had to decide whether I really wanted the soda right then or whether the desire would be even more urgent the next day. I believe this daily internal debate taught me to save money. I once read the definition of an entrepreneur as a person who delays present pleasure, spending, for future pleasure, again and again. At school, I loved doing science and chemistry experiments, and I wanted to try doing experiments on my own as well. I had test tubes and a little burner and I managed to repeat an experiment I was shown in school. Boil a green leaf in alcohol in a test tube, then let it cool and settle. The green chlorophyll gathers clearly on top of the tube. At the bottom, the brown color of a leaf in autumn appears, showing that the brown color is already present in the leaf when the green disappears. I thought it was neat to observe. When I was about 10 years old, I had an idea to make a stink match. When the match was lit, it would produce an acrid smoke confounding those present. I collected some lab equipment and began my research. Using regular wood matches, I coated their heads with my proprietary mixture of materials and then dried them in the oven at a low heat. My mixture consisted of artists' white oil paint mixed with ink and chalk shaved to give it consistency. Sometimes I added my mother's face cream to the mixture. When I lit one or two matches, the smoke in the room was quite unpleasant. I began to sell the matches to my school friends. All managed to upset their elders by lighting the matches, then walking out of the room and letting others discover the smell. To test my products, I used our toilet room, which had no windows. Usually I did my testing in the afternoons when there was no one in the apartment. But one day a relative walked in just after one of my tests and the small room was full of acrid smoke. She jumped up shouting, Fire! My mother came running and I assured her that there was no fire and that the smoke was just from my experiment. But when my father got home, my mother told him to find my laboratory box, which was under my bed, and get rid of it. Father wanted to throw the wooden box with the materials into a fire, but my mother loudly objected, saying that it might explode. That was the end of my first profitable business. Another activity was going out with my friend Shaya, who had similar interests to mine, to look for interesting wildlife in the rivers around the city. We fitted ourselves out with bottles attached to our belts with string and little nets. We caught frogs, water bugs, and leeches. I knew better than to bring them home, so we went to Shaya's house and observed from there. One day the leeches escaped. His mother found one on her body and nearly had a heart attack. That night she was too scared to sleep, so we stopped our science, but we found another occupation after school, going to the railway shunting yard. There, a small locomotive went to and fro, moving the freight wagons from one place to another for loading or unloading. First, we learned to jump on and off a slow-moving rail car. To do it safely, you need to jump off while facing forward, yet at the same time, push yourself backwards to reduce the speed of landing on the ground. We practiced it many times until we could jump off safely at higher speeds. Then we discovered that most freight wagons came with a lead seal attached to a thin rope on the doors. The rope had been cut when unloading the cargo. Many seals remained hanging on the door after the string was cut on one side. We began to collect the lead seals. Then we made a fire and melted the lead and cast it into sand or clay molds. We made fishing sinker weights and other little figurines. If the sand mold had water in it, the hot lead would cause the water to explode into bursts of steam, shooting bits of lead upward. I understand now how dangerous that was. If our parents had known what we were up to, they would have had a fit.